0: From the Internet Law and Policy Foundry, this is the Tech Policy Grind podcast. Every two weeks, we'll discuss recent developments and exciting topics in the technology and internet law and policy space. I'm Rima Musa, and I'm a member of the fourth cohort of Foundry Fellows. The Foundry is a collaborative organization for internet law and policy professionals who are passionate about disruptive innovation. Welcome to another edition of Fellow Highlights, where we chat with ILP Foundry fellows about their careers and current projects. This week I chatted with Ricky George, the ILP Foundry Class 4 president, about her work leading a cyber exercise and war game program in the financial sector. We also discuss what's coming up with the Foundry. Hi Ricky, how are you?
1: I'm doing well, Rima. Thanks for having me on.
0: Absolutely excited to chat with you about your career and also everything going on with the Foundry. So, I want to start with you. What got you interested in the field of tech and internet law and policy uh, and cybersecurity in particular, as that's your, your field of
1: expertise?
0: Uh, just walk us through your career journey.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I really kind of got my start, um, in many ways, fell into cyber. Um, I started as an intern um, on the brand protection team at JPMorgan Chase while I was an undergrad. Um, And really what that involved was doing uh, investigations of intellectual property uh, infringements, So sending cease and desist letters. um, And that's where kind of the law and the internet really bridged for me. And then shortly after joining that team, we got moved internally into the cybersecurity department. So I got my first taste of cyber threat intelligence and doing kind of more traditional cyber investigations and and cyber crime deterrence. And I really just like fell hard for that. Um, And that's kind of how I got you know, got started. And I've always kept an interest in law, because I, you know, think back to those times, early on as an intern doing brand protection, where it was such a struggle to use the legal resources at our disposal to actually uh, combat some of the cyber crime that our firm was experiencing, or that was targeting our customers and, and employees. Um, and so, you know, it's been an interesting <laughs> journey, but I've definitely kept locked into the both the of course the cyber side, but the, the legal side of things as well
0: so what are you doing now for your current work
1: yeah so my current job um is to run the cyber exercise and war game program at a large financial institution Um, And really what that means is that I look at the cyber kind of threat landscape and then look at, um, you know, where my organization is going from a business perspective and then come up with realistic or what we call extreme but plausible cyber attack scenarios uh, to run us through. And, And I do that at a variety of levels. Um, So we do it at a technical level where actual, you know, hands on keyboard, incident response folks can, you know, look at a piece of malware that we may have come up with and, and fabricated Um, and and evaluate how effectively, you know, we'd be able to detect it and report upstream what it's doing to our environment and how it would affect our our business operations. Um, And then we also do it at the executive level with our senior most executives. So everybody kind of just south of the CEO gets involved. um, And and we look at how they would evaluate things like reputational risk and customer communications and, and regulatory disclosures. So it's a really kind of fun permutation of what I was doing before, I'm still very much involved in what are the cyber threats. um, But now I'm also focusing on how do we manage the risk that these cyber threats pose um, to my firm, which is part of kind of the the critical infrastructure here in the United States. So it's, um, you know, a fun, but also heavily regulated space to be. Cybersecurity is
0: a new career field, relatively speaking, and it's growing really quickly. What got you initially interested in running a cyber exercise program and why is such a program important to a business?
1: Yeah, I think um as with many people in cyber that we don't always like know where we're going to land in the long term. I think if I looked back even a few years, I don't know that I would have, you know, known that cyber exercises was, um, you know, on the horizon for me. But what really jumped out to me about this job was understanding that you can prepare an organization for that worst day, right? Like a large scale cyber incident that may, you know, cripple, you know, 75% of its business operations, you can prepare and practice that um, before it actually happens in the real world environment. Um, And so that was really exciting to me to see how that whole process unfolded. I jokingly call myself a cyber crisis party planner. um, But it it is an important thing to do because the regulatory framework in the United States, especially for the financial sector, um, is extremely detailed. and, And it does require that, financial institutions such as the one I work for, and all the major banks and exchanges actually do these type of tests um, to help, you know, keep the US financial sector resilient. Um, It's just a regulatory requirement, but I think it's also a business necessity to be able to understand, you know, where the weaknesses are in an ability to respond to a large scale breach or a large scale ransomware incident or insider threat scenario, whatever it may be. So it's a it's an interesting place that sits kind of at the, the junction of regulatory requirements, um, cybersecurity best practice, um, and then also like emerging threat uh analysis.
0: Someone who's familiar with the cybersecurity field might have heard uh the terms such as tabletop exercises, war games, etc., uh, which are components of a cyber exercise program. But what do these actually look like? Could you walk us through uh, maybe an example of what these
1: games might look like in practice? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think um, it's really interesting because there are so many different types and um, and that the type that's best at any given moment is really driven by the participants, um, the maturity of what we're trying to exercise, if it's a brand new incident response plan, you know, doing uh, something that's heavily involved may not be the best use of resources in, you know, in comparison to a, a workshop or something like that. But to, um, you know, walk you through a, a scenario, um, if we were doing a technical uh, a technical drill, for example, um, we might you know, come up with a cyber attack scenario, let's say it's going to be a um, a software supply chain compromise. Um, if we think back to solar winds or something like that, that's certainly a hot uh, button issue that people are continuing to discuss coming out of um, the past couple years. But Software supply chain compromise. We might come up with our own fabricated piece, a fake piece of malware that simulates a, uh, you know, a compromised piece of software that could have been deployed on our network. And we will give that malware to our incident responders so that they can do forensic analysis of it and identify, you know, what is that malware trying to accomplish? What do we think in terms of attribution? Um, what can we do to mitigate? the risk that this piece of malware may pose if it was actually on our network. Um, And so they may determine that it's targeting our customers or our clients, um, and here's that list of clients. And then they provide that to senior level management to make the decision around when do we tell our clients that we might have a malware issue um, that could affect, you know, the integrity of them doing business with us? Um, and so that's kind of how a technical exercise plays out. But at an executive level, you might actually have a team of executives in a room with then a group of folks down the hall or next door in another room prepared to answer any of the executives' questions, right? They're going to ask you, what's what's happening How's it affecting the business? What are our options to recover? And you need to really use a lot of people across an organization to make an exercise successful because you need that one person who has nuanced business knowledge um, to be able to tell you know, the executives that here's how we can recover and be operational again. Or you also need the person who has that very strong technical cyber knowledge to explain what happened and why it happened um, and how we can you know stop the bleeding and in that regard Um, so you might have two conference rooms full of different groups of people all working together um, to support uh, the exercise and one of them being a group of players and the other one being what we call a sim cell or planning team um, but that's kind of how some of the exercises are, are framed. And then they can be much more simple as far as, you know, everybody's on a a bridge doing a workshop, just talking about, you know, the strengths and opportunities of a, a brand new playbook.
0: Sounds intense, but also sounds
1: potentially fun. It is. It is. I think it's it's never a dull moment as you try to figure out all the different ways that, um, you know, different personalities that play in an exercise might go when presented with a cyber uh, incident. Um, everybody, you know, you have to manage a lot of uh, characters and and think about them as much as the cyber attack scenario and, and what you're trying to accomplish. So it's definitely uh, a rewarding and, and exciting space.
0: Definitely sounds like it. So I want to get into what other projects you may have going on. Uh, You're involved in a lot, uh, and you're definitely involved with a lot with the Foundry, which we'll get into a little later. But what other projects or organizations
1: are you involved with outside of work? yeah, absolutely. Um so I've done you know a couple of of fellowships which have been exciting. I finished one earlier this year with the Alexander Hamilton Society, uh, the Security and Strategy Scholars program, which was really focused on looking at strategic competition between the United States and uh, some of its you know primary adversaries. Um so there I focused on on Russia. Um, which was pretty exciting, and and I did that as I kind of got into the the foundry. Um, I also am a member of WISES, so Women in Cybersecurity, um, as well um, as joining you know a couple of cybersecurity mentorship groups. Um, and I serve as a mentor for a program called Rainer Scholars, which is for minority students. Um, in the Seattle area where I grew up. I myself was a Rainer scholar starting in fourth grade. Um, and so I had the opportunity to mentor uh, a scholar in his senior year of college as we helped him land his first job in, um, in engineering, which was really exciting and, and rewarding. So I kind of try to volunteer and, and give back and then, of course, enrich my own knowledge of you know cybersecurity, geopolitics, and, and law.
0: Great.
1: Yeah, I think
0: mentorship is really, really a key part of this community of tech law and policy in particular. Of course, it's a part of, I think, any career field, but especially as this field emerges so dynamically and uh, changes quickly, having that mentorship opportunity can be really impactful in staying abreast of what's going on and understanding how to navigate it. So it's great that you've uh, served as both a mentor and have been uh, mentored by others throughout your career.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I'm the perpetual mentee. (laughs) I just, um, like, I, and so it took me a while to figure out, like, how, I was going to lean into trying to be a mentor in some way. I think maybe I was a little nervous or something like that. But I realized that, you know, it's just everybody needs someone, whether you're like a senior executive or somebody like myself, who's more kind of early to mid-career. I have something to offer to, you know, folks that are, you know, just stepping into the field and even into other fields other than my own. So I try to, you know, do what I can to, to give back. And because so many people have helped bring me along the way to where I am now. Absolutely.
0: So what's next for you? What are you looking ahead towards, whether it be uh, in the cybersecurity field or specifically within your career? What do you think is uh, the most exciting, perhaps challenging uh, opportunities that are on the horizon?
1: Yeah, um, that's something I definitely have thought a lot about. I think COVID gave us a lot of time to reset and recalibrate and think about what's next. Um, I left consulting to take my current job during the pandemic, and that was really intentional to set me up to be able to go to grad school. Um, So I'm starting at Brown in their uh, Master's of Science in Cybersecurity program this fall, where I'll be kind of in the policy track, um, which is I'm really, really excited about. It's taken me, you know, almost a decade. it seems it's crazy to say that to get back to grad school from undergrad, because I just feel like I've been having so much fun in cyber and the work was so demanding and rewarding. Um, but that's something that's probably I'm most excited for in the short term. Um, and then I think longer term, there are some, you know, other programs like evening law school programs and PhD programs that I'm like in the early stages of looking at that I'd like to pursue after getting, um, my master's, um, and then I would also say, you know, like just from a career perspective, I'm really kind of at this precipice of moving up in terms of levels of seniority. So I'm, you know, navigating that those challenging waters as well to figure out, you know, where I want to go to next. But I really like doing the cyber exercises. I really enjoyed doing cyber threat intelligence and brand protection. So I think somewhere in that arena is probably going to be the right the right fit for me. Um, and then hopefully, you know, being able to send to a more senior level position in, in the next couple of years, I think would be a big milestone to, to accomplish as well.
0: Well, that's incredibly exciting. Huge congrats on grad school and excited to see uh, how that goes and your your career path in the future. I think they will be fantastic to to learn and, and watch your experience. So something else that's very exciting and shifting gears a bit, you were recently elected to be the president of our fourth class of fellows here at the Foundry. So if you've been listening for a while, you might be familiar with the Foundry, but Ricky, could you give us a rundown on what the Foundry is, what the Foundry Fellows program is, and how your presidency has been going so far? No,
1: so the Foundry is, you know, um, a community of, you know, students and early to mid-career professionals that are really, um, you know, interested in and focused on um, driving forward, internet law and, and policy discourse um, and we do that globally which is so great right we have this global class of, of fellows and I think uh, class four is one of the largest um, that has ever you know been assembled which is awesome as well um, and you know the foundry fellows have a you know a term and usually two years to go about um, you know, accomplishing as much as we can in this space, whether that's through events and um, through this podcast, um, which is great. And, you know, we want to be able to just drive forward the discussion, have our voices be heard, um, so that we can, you know, make the internet and the law and policy that help govern it um, as strong and inclusive as possible. Um, I was really excited to be elected our, our class president, but it's so great that we have such a strong executive board that I get to partner with and, of course, different committee and uh, and regional chairs. Um, so it's been going really well. I think we have so many different work streams going on at the Foundry, which is really exciting for, I think, what we're going to accomplish um, not only throughout the rest of this year, but I think 2023 is gonna be a really big year for the Foundry. Um, and I'm looking forward to, you know, continuing to lean in and, and work alongside everyone. Same here.
0: I think it will be a really fun couple of years uh, for us as fellows, uh, but hopefully can, can create some impact uh, for the entire ILPF community. Uh, so what's going on right now with the foundry that our
1: listeners can keep an eye out for or uh engage with? I think we have you know a couple of things that are um, taking place right now that are really exciting. Um, And I would say, you know, the first is our writing competition. Um, So those that may be familiar with the Foundry already may already know of um, the annual hackathon that's been taking place with the Foundry. This year, we launched a writing competition to pair with the, uh, the hackathon. We've already opened that up. So folks that want to submit, it's open to undergrads, grad students, um, folks that are getting like professional education, as well as anyone that's two years post-completion of any of those aforementioned uh, degrees. Um, they can you know, submit a paper, and our theme this year is into the metaverse. So we're really looking at trust and safety, privacy, security as well as even equity and inclusion challenges that the metaverse kind of poses. Um, I think it's a really important topic. A lot of people are talking about metaverse and that's great. I'm really excited to see what some of the younger folks and peers um, that are more you know, um, coming into the space in terms of internet law and policy have to say because we are gonna be the people that are running these different verses for years and years and years to come if this is something that you know hangs around. So I'm really excited for that. Um, And then we also in August are hosting our first live podcast taping, which is exciting as well on August 18th. And so that's something also for folks to in the DC area to look out for engaging with us on. I think it'll be a good opportunity for our fellows to get to meet people in person, meet each other in person. The pandemic has really uh, made that difficult um but as well as kind of take what we're doing to the next level and and have some amazing subject matter experts that you know want to be in person with the folks that also support the foundry's programs as well. Absolutely. I think it is a really exciting
0: time uh for the foundry and so many ways to engage. So definitely check out the writing competition as well as the upcoming live podcast taping which uh, we'll be sharing some more info about as it gets closer but you can also check out some info in the show notes so i want to look ahead a little bit what can our listeners look forward to as far as the hackathon what's to know there
1: um the hackathon is you know, it's coming together. It's going to be, I think, really, really engaging. As I said, we're doing the writing competition at the same time, or kind of in partnership with that this year, um, which is new. Um, so folks can also participate in the hackathon, which will be in October. Um, same theme, so into the metaverse and exploring some of the similar challenges, but really in a team format, um, which I think is is amazing, especially for those that might be students or early career professionals. To be able to partner up with a team of other folks who are really interested in this space as well to come up with some policy solutions to um, the challenges that the metaverse poses, I think is going to be really compelling and rewarding. Um, And we'll also be doing some events ahead of the hackathon. So you don't have to be a technical expert. You don't have to be a legal expert or privacy expert to feel like you can add value. We're going to have some events taking place ahead of time in September that will serve as training of sorts just to give people kind of a nice base level of knowledge around what the metaverse is, what some of the privacy challenges are, trust and safety, and a variety of other things. Um, And then we're also exploring doing a potential kind of networking event as well in the metaverse. Um, so look out for that as well as uh, one of kind of the opportunities to engage with us ahead of October uh, for the hackathon. But it, it should be great. We're looking forward to topping the participation that we had last year. We had strong participation and, and really good submissions and, um, and, and final uh, papers from the different teams of the hackathon. So we're just gonna carry that forward uh, this year as well. Definitely
0: sounds exciting. I can't wait until uh, I get to learn all about the metaverse because uh, thus far, it's one of those concepts that I hear about all the time and know very little about. So I think that it'll provide a great learning opportunity for anyone interested in emerging tech and getting to know uh what's happening in the web three metaverse space. So Ricky, before I let you go, I would love to hear, what are you reading or listening to right now?
1: Yeah. So I am a big podcast listener. I think I every day I'm consuming something. Um, I would say, you know, some of my favorite podcasts that I'm listening to right now are VICE's cyber podcast, um, I find it just to be really um, you know interesting and compelling and and you know, not you know super long podcast episodes. So it's just nice something to listen during lunch break or a walk, um walking the dog in the evening. Um, I also listen to Darknet Diaries, which I think is really fun. I find myself recommending it all the time. Um, and it really covers different elements of you know cyber crime and um, you know illicit activity on the internet. So I find that to be really interesting. Um, and then Lawfare. I love listening to Lawfare podcasts. I think that's a really good one. And one of our class four fellows also uh, is on that podcast quite frequently. So I recommend that uh, to check uh, him out as well. That's a good one. Um, and then in terms of reading, I, I right now I'm reading this is how uh, this is how they tell me the world ends, which is a book about kind of cyber espionage and is written by a journalist. Um, and it's you know I'm really started liking it and getting into it a little bit more. Um, and then also Putin's world. I think you know it's everybody's aware of you know the uh, the happenings on in in Ukraine that are so unfortunate. And um, as I come out of my prior fellowship that was really focused on U.S. Russia strategic competition, um, reading and rereading that book has been rewarding for me. Um, and that's by Angela Stent. So I definitely recommend that for anybody that's interested in geopolitics and wants to apply it to something that's happening in, in the world today. And unfortunately, the conflict in Ukraine. Thank you for sharing that.
0: A lot of great content and resources, uh, that our listeners can check out. I know this is how the world ends is definitely on my list uh and darknet diaries is one podcast i've listened to uh for for some time and a lot of great content there as well uh in addition to to your feed of the tech policy grind uh, some great podcasts to to check out for sure well thank you so much for joining us ricky
1: Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This has been been fun and I hope everyone that's listening gets uh, involved with the Foundry and wants to partner with us. Feel free to reach out if there's anything we're not doing, um, you know, we'd like to partner. So I'm always here for that. I got to make that shameless plug (laughs) and and all of that.
0: Always got to make the shameless plug. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tech Policy Grind podcast by the Airnet Law and Policy Foundry. Be sure to check out the Foundry on LinkedIn and Twitter, as well as our writing competition Open Now. You can find this info on our website or in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and give us a five-star rating. It really helps out the show. If you're interested in supporting the show, reach out to us at foundrypodcasts at ilpfoundry.us. You can find our email in the show notes as well. The Tech Policy Grind podcast comes out every other Thursday. See you next time. The Tech Policy Grind podcast was created by the fellows at the Internet Law and Policy Foundry. It's produced and edited by me, Rima Musa, with support from the incredible Foundry fellows of Class 4.